and coffee before you sat down. Yeah. Yeah, it was a while. Let me give you a little bit of my uh, background, but I'm trying to find my, my notes here. Give me a second. There it is. All right, let me give you a little bit of my background so you get to know me a little bit better. My, uh, my parents came from Mexico to Houston, and they actually came separate. My dad came alone. My mom came with her family, and they met in Houston and married in Houston. So my siblings and I, there was five of us, we were all born in Houston, Texas. All right? So y'all are Houston Astros fans around here, aren't you? All right, yeah. That's what I thought. All right. So the Lord will give you insight as to that. You know? <laughs> All right. So um, when, when we were being raised, they were not saved. They, they were typical. When you come from Mexico, you're religious just because you're from Mexico. So my sister, my older sister, they discovered that she had cancer. And the doctor said that she was going to die. So my parents, for the first time, they started looking up and said, God, if you're there, if you're real, uh, would you show yourself to us? We don't know what to do. Our daughter's going to die of cancer. So in that process, a group of believers from the assemblies from Argentina moved to Houston, and they were going to start a new, a new work in Spanish. And so they started, and they said, how, how can we uh, start getting people to come to, to the meetings? So they bought in a secular Spanish radio station, a two-minute section. They paid to have a two-minute section there. And so it was a two-minute gospel presentation. So my parents are listening to the Spanish station, and suddenly they said, do you have hope? If you don't, we're going to tell you that there is hope in Jesus. And they presented the gospel in two minutes. So my parents are like, wow, uh, we never heard this before. Said, if you want to know more, give us a call. We'll come visit. So my parents called them. They came to visit, and they brought the gospel to our home, all right? So praise the Lord for that. Uh, my, my sister was saved in the hospital as they were visiting and preaching to her, and my dad and my sister were saved almost at the same time. My dad was 33 when he came to Christ. Now, my mom was really religious. It took her another two years. So, so then we were going to the assembly first in the morning, and then right after that to the Catholic church. So like... Please, Mom, hurry up and get saved. This is really hard, you know. <laughs> so we're getting a double dose. But she finally came to Christ. And little by little, all the siblings, we all got saved. By the way, my sister uh, did survive. And she got consequently cancer three other times. And she did die about eight years back. The Lord called her home. But, man, she led many people to Christ. And God did a tremendous thing. So whenever somebody says cancer to us, it's like, oh, God's going to do something because he brought Christ to our home through that, right? And so, praise God. And uh, so I'm going to be telling you more about my family as we're going on. My real name is Raimundo. Everybody calls me Ray because, you know, they can't pronounce it or whatever, but if you want to call me by my real name is Raimundo. Very good. Yes, Mexican parents born in Houston. And uh, I was 11 years old when I got saved, and I was 17 years old when the Lord called me into the ministry to serve him. And in 1993, I was commended from the Spanish assemblies, which we were part of growing up uh, in Houston. So uh, I'll give you more in the, in the following sessions. So let's go to 1 Thessalonians. Go ahead and turn there. Now, being that John says that y'all might want to go all day instead of just the morning, I do have seven messages. I'm going to leave two out. But since you're inspired, we can go ahead and do seven if you want. It's up to you. 
it comes with PowerPoints and all, so you, you might get excited about that. Now, we're actually going to look at 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, and believe it or not, it does not include anything with the rapture and the end times. That's the extra two if you want. Those are bonus, right? And they come with PowerPoint, like I said. So if you do want those extra two, I have them. But we're actually going to look at Thessalonians, the Thessalonica church, without even considering the end times, because there's so much there. Outside of the fact that it does concentrate a lot on, on the end times, we're not even going to look at that. That's how much is in the book, in the both, all right? Both books. So a little bit of background, then we're going to read chapter 1. Is that, is that James back there? Hey, hey, are, are you saved yet? Are you still? Uh, really? All right. So, so the mission. Amen. The, the missionaries, the missionaries are, are going throughout Asia, throughout Turkey. They're preaching the gospel. And then the Holy Spirit says, now I want you to come over to uh, Macedonia and Greece. So, as you know, by reading the book of Acts, they, they cross over. They go to Philippi, they preach the gospel, many people get saved, and also within that, Paul gets beat, you remember? He got beat in the back, and then they put him in jail, the earthquake came, the Roman soldier got saved and his family, and after that, he left. So when they left Philippi, they were on their way, and the Lord was guiding them about 100 miles away, it's Thessalonica, give or take, you know, give or take a few miles. So when they get there, Paul was still healing from, from all his wounds, uh, from getting beat and from that experience. And they get there and they present the gospel there. And it was pretty much the same kind of reaction. And yet God did a tremendous work. Many people came to Christ there. This assembly was mainly Gentile. There was probably some Jews sprinkled in there, but it was mainly a Gentile assembly. Now, when they came to Christ... When they came to Christ, uh, they, they were under heavy persecution. In other words, they got saved, and immediately the affliction started. The persecution, the attacks from the people, from the relatives, because they came to Christ. All right? So this is a young church. When Paul writes the first letter, it was probably four to six months away. Right? And he writes it. The first one then follows up with the second one, pretty close behind each other uh, or next to each other. So when he writes, he's writing to a young, young believers, probably six months in the faith, give or take, right? Probably six months in the faith. So this is who he's writing. And they're under heavy persecution, affliction because of their faith, right? Having said that, let's go ahead and read. All right, so let's read 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And Paul and Silvanus, uh, by the way, Silvanus is Silas. He's the one that went with Paul. Remember, Barnabas and Paul separated. Then Silas is actually Silvanus. So make a little note of that in case uh, your Bible doesn't indicate that. So Paul and, and Silvanus and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith, your labor of love, and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of our God and Father. 
knowing, brethren, beloved by God, his choice of you. For our gospel did not come to you in words only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction, just as you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. You also became imitators of us and the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Uh, a little brief pause. Macedonia and Achaia. Macedonia is still Macedonia today, I believe. Then right underneath it is Greece. So it's like saying northern Connecticut, southern Connecticut. They were in the northern part of Connecticut, if you will. And their influence became so that it was even getting to be known in the southern part of the, of the area, right? And so that's what he's saying when he says Macedonia, the northern part, Achaia, the southern part, were uh, Corinthians with that and Athens and all that. Okay, uh, verse 8. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia, where they lived, and Achaia, the southern part, but also in every place your faith towards God has gone forth, so that we have no need to say anything. For they themselves, the people who were uh, being in contact with them and looking at them, observing them, for they themselves report about us what kind of reception we had with you and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, that is Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. Amen. The Lord always blesses his word, doesn't he? Yes, he does. All right. So what I'm going to consider today is body life. He's speaking to a church, and so I'm going to speak to you as, as if we're part of this local assembly that he's speaking to, right, the Thessalonica church. Uh, so we're going we're to talk like that. So the first thing we're going to consider today is what are the signs of a healthy Christian and a healthy church? Because if you have healthy Christians, you're going to have a healthy church. Amen? All right. Now, our assembly right now is experiencing a revival. And the two of the boys that sparked it, when they sparked it, they were 16 and 17 years old. Both of them come from broken homes. One of them, the mother, the mother uh, became a drunk and an adulterer. And the other one, uh, the, the, the father uh, is a narcissist. You know what that means, right? <laughs> In a, I mean, a bad one, right? And so they both came from terrible backgrounds. Instead of fleeing from God, are you listening to me, young people? Instead of fleeing from God, they fled to God. And here's what the boy tells me. I took him, I took him with me on mission trips because that's part of my, my mentoring. I take him with me on my work and my missions. And the boy looks at me and he says, Mr. Gonzalez, God's going to start a revival. It's going to start with us. It's going to start with us. Man, he was not kidding. In our prayer meetings, we have 25 young people in our prayer meetings on Wednesday. And we have about 15 adults. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so this is a young church. But we want to know is, 
what what is what does it look like? What is a a healthy young believer look like, and what does a healthy church look like? All right, so if you want, we're going to look at five things real quick. Number one, they turn from sin. Did you notice in one ten? It says that everybody's saying how you turn from idols to serve the living and true God. Now, this is your testimony. Every one of us should have a clear testimony. Now, I was an elder. I recently stopped being an elder about two years ago. But I was an elder for about 28 years. And the one thing that always bothered me is there's always five or six or, or ten people in the assembly. Like, what is a testimony? Are, are they saved or are they not saved? We don't know. What do you think? I, I don't know. We, have, we can't get a clear testimony out of them. What is your testimony? Do the elders, does everybody around here know how the Lord got a hold of you and transformed you? Now, their testimony was this. I used to worship idols. That was my life. I believed in idols. By the way, my, my grandmother was an idolater. If you were to visit my grandmother's house, you would see idols everywhere. And so when my parents got saved, they, the first thing they did, they went to my grandparents' house and said, from now on, we worship no one but Jesus Christ. And they never turned back. They stopped worshiping idols. And so, Grandma, you have to believe in Jesus by faith. No, 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 no. I, this is my God. I have to see him. No, no. <laughs> That's not going to save you. Somebody made that. No. That was her answer. I have to see him. Well, Jesus is not going to come and appear to you. You have to believe him by faith. But when mom and dad got saved, they got saved. They put it away. In fact, the missionary came uh, two weeks after mom finally got saved, like I said, two years later. And he said, if you have idols in your home, if you have potions in your home from magic and from all that, because my mom practiced all of that, right? Witch doctor stuff. And there was presence of demons in our home before salvation. If you're doing any of that, if you've done any of that, Throw it out of your house. And we made a bonfire. I'm not kidding you. The pile was this big of books and potions of things. And we made a big fire. But when mom and dad got saved, the the, the presence of demons left our home. Yeah. Because you can feel them in the house. But you see, here's the testimony. Jesus Christ got a hold of them and transformed them. So your testimony should be, every one of us, and it should be clear, this is what I was. I was an idolater. I was whatever. But I was saved when I was alive. So what? You were still a dead sinner, right? Lost in sin. And you need to have a clear testimony. I was lost and I saw my sin. Uh, that was my testimony. I was 11 years old. But when, when the Sunday school teacher said, Christ is going to return. And if you're not saved and if you're still in your sin, you're not going to go with him. Well, that night, the Holy Spirit got a hold of me and showed me my sin. I said, Lord, I am a sinful Man, a young boy at the time, right? And I bowed my knee. I said, Jesus, save me. And that's my testimony. I saw my sin. And so the testimony of a healthy believer is clear. I was an idolater. I was lost in sin. I understood that Jesus died on that cross, shed his blood to cleanse me, and he rose from the dead, and he is now my Lord and Savior. Somebody asked me the other day, hey, why don't we go do a, some margaritas? I said, no, I'm not going to go. Why don't you want to go? Because Jesus, my Lord, tells me not to. Oh, yeah, I have the liberty to do it. 
but I feel like he's telling me because he's my boss not to do it. And so that's why I'm not doing it because I've already had witness to him right there. Like, okay, whoa. So you got to have a clear testimony. And the testimony of the Thessalonians was they were idolaters. They turned from idols to, to serve the, the, the living and true God and to wait for Jesus to return. What's your testimony? So your testimony should be, this is what I was. Then Christ got a hold of me. So that's what happened now. Christ got a hold of me. And this is what Christ is doing in my life now. There's progression. There's growth. And a healthy Christian has those three stages. I was. Christ got a hold of me. And this is what I am now. And this is what he's doing in my life now. That's a healthy Christian. And that's a healthy assembly. Wherein the people in the body can be clear in their testimony. And people know how Christ got a hold of you and how he transformed you. Lest we turn religious and just come. There's no clear testimony of a true conversion where the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you and gives you new birth. So you cannot be the same. You cannot be the same. And if you're the same, you need to take a serious look if you really know Christ as your Savior. And so they turned from idols and they were waiting for the return of Jesus. Secondly, notice chapter 2 and verse 13. And for this reason... We also constantly thank God that when you received from us the word of God's message, you accepted it, not as the words of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs his work in you who believe. Now, the, the first thing then was that a healthy believer has a clear testimony. I turned from sin, I turned from idols to serve the true and living God and to wait for Jesus Christ, who was raised from the dead. Clear testimony. Secondly, they received the word of God. Now, they understood then that even though Paul was speaking the gospel to them, they said, you know what? This message is from God. The word of God is what transforms a person, not how clever you present it. In two weeks, I'm going to Austin, Texas, and there's an assembly there. Check this out. Just a little caveat. They, they, they were looking for ways to evangelize. So then somebody came up with the idea, why don't we get a food truck? Because that's big in Texas, right? We're going to park it in the parking lot on a Saturday and say, hey, free food. Whoever wants, come on down. And so they tried it. Why not? Let's do it. They parked. Guess what? Many people started coming. They were like, whoa. And so they set up picnic tables. And now they're doing it once a month. And as a result, some people have gotten saved and they're joining the assembly. Good idea. Hint, hint. You know, food truck outside. Offer people food. They'll come. So, so then what happens, because they had never evangelized before, they don't know what to do. Okay, right. All of a sudden, some people got saved. How do we do the follow-up? How do we help them grow? How, <laughs> right? And so I said, teach them the word of God. The word of God. And a true believer reads the word of God. I had about two years back, a, a lady supposedly got saved. And then I noticed that she wasn't reading the Word of God. And I was questioning the lady. And I kept giving verses and giving things. And she wasn't reading the Word of God. And I, I spoke to her uh, two weeks ago. I'm doing yoga now. And I really kind of like Hinduism. And, and, you know, as long as we all believe the same thing, we're looking for God. I, I, what? 
Ah, so you really weren't born again because you don't have a clear testimony and you're not reading the Word of God. A true believer digs into the Word of God and grows. And you know what's interesting? They understood that. Paul, you're just a messenger. You're just a man. But you're not speaking just words. You're speaking God's Word. And that's where the power is in the Word of God. In fact, my wife, ever since we've been uh, commended, well, before that, because we were serving already, but she always tells me, preach the Word of God and you'll never miss. Just preach it. Preach what's there. You don't have to come up with these clever outlines and all this stuff. Just preach the Word of God and God will bless the work that we do. All right, so they turn from sin, a clear testimony. They receive the Word of God. Wow. And that's what transforms. That's what brings the growth in your life. Are you reading the word of God? And notice 1, 6, chapter 1 and verse 6. And you also became imitators of us and the Lord, having received the word, there is again, in much tribulation with joy in the Holy Spirit. The next thing is that the true believer who's healthy not only has a clear testimony and loves the word of God, but the Holy Spirit then begins to fill him with joy. You notice that even in tribulation, they had joy. You receive the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit because that comes from the Holy Spirit. See, when you're growing, the Holy Spirit begins to give you the joy of the Lord. Right? And so, we should be the happiest of all people. When people walk in, they should say, man, look at the joy that they have. And it's evidence that the Holy Spirit is moving because the joy of the Lord is in our hearts. Right? Rejoice in the Lord always. Why? Because there's joy in the Holy Spirit. Then notice also that they had faith, love, hope, perseverance in the face of persecution. Look at uh, 1.3. Look at 1.3. Constantly bearing in mind your work of faith. So as soon as they got saved, their faith started working. Works don't save but real faith works. Amen? And the labor of love. And when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you and gives you joy, what else does it give you? The fruit of the Spirit is? All right, love. That's right. And so your work of faith, your labor of love, and the steadfastness of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of our God and Father. So the next thing you find in a healthy Christian is they're steadfast. They're consistent. They're steady in their walk with Christ. That's a healthy Christian. That's a healthy church. When you love the Word of God, you're steadfast in your hope. You're firm in it. You're not doubting. Look at uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3. We're going to look at both books because they're really connected. They're only a, a couple of months apart. But look at uh, 2 Thessalonians 1 and 3. We ought to always give thanks to God for you, brethren, as is only fitting... Because your faith is greatly enlarged. Ah, there's a healthy believer. The faith is growing. They're growing in faith. They're getting stronger in faith. And the love of each one of you towards one another grows ever greater. So not only were they growing in faith, but they were growing in love. Because the closer you get to God, the more he begins to produce that, his love in your life. And so there's tremendous love. It's growing ever greater. Uh, therefore, we ourselves speak proudly of you among the churches of God for your perseverance 
and faith in the midst of all your persecutions and afflictions which you endure. It wasn't some fluffy life they were living. They were being persecuted because of their faith. They were being afflicted. They were suffering because of their faith, and yet they were full of joy. They had a clear testimony. Their faith was growing, and they were full of love because they were healthy, and they were growing in this in their faith. And that is what should be true not only of your life, but also as an assembly. So in other words, it should be reflected in my life, in my own life, in my person, in my home, but also in the assembly. This should be true. This is a healthy believer and a healthy assembly. Next, the missionary team, the leadership were genuine. They set the example of the life of Christ. Look at uh, chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians. And look what he says. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit. You know, about 10 years ago, I studied this book in detail. And I said, you know, Lord, when I speak, I speak too much just words. But there's no power behind it. I got to get to a point where the Holy Spirit gets a hold of me. So when I speak, it's not just words, but it's empowered by the Holy Spirit. So you notice then, our gospel did not come to you in words only. Because if it's just words, they're going to fall to the ground and they have no power. They don't transform. They don't do anything to anybody's life. Our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit. Notice what else? Full of conviction. I know whom I have believed. Timothy, ever since you were little, you were reading the word of God and you were convinced that they're true. If you don't have any conviction, you're not going to speak with any power. You're not going to share the word of God with any power. So not only were the, the, the words powerful because the Holy Spirit was empowering them, but they were full of conviction. As, as you know, what kind of men we proved to be among you. So in other words, we showed you the life of Christ. We were a, a good testimony. Look at chapter 2 and verse 10. Look at chapter 2 and verse 10. You are witnesses, and so is God. Ooh. Now, it's one thing to say you're a witness, but when you call on God, watch out. Watch out. <laughs> you, you, you can't, see, you can lie to a human, to a person, but so he calls on God. You are witnesses, and so is God. How devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behave towards you believers. See, somebody help me, right? Another thing my wife always tells me, if you're not living it, don't preach it. If there's a part of the Bible that's there, and you know you can't live it yet, or you don't, haven't had victory, or you, you're not going to do it yourself, then just skip it. Skip it. When you're going to preach, you better be living. And Paul's saying, we were devout, we were upright, we were blameless towards you believers, as you know. Because they were observing their life. Look at our leaders. Look at the men they proved to be. Devout and upright and blameless in their behavior. See, that's a healthy Christian. When the neighbors can't say, yeah, she goes to church, but, you know. Uh, or, yeah, look at him at work. They say they're Christians, but at work, you know, they cheat. They curse. They lose their temper. 
And so Paul says, look, God is witness that our lives reflected the message that we were preaching. And that message is Jesus Christ. Crucified, buried, and risen again. Look at 2 Thessalonians 3.9. Look at 2 Thessalonians 3.9. For not because we do not have the right to do this, we'll look at the other part tomorrow more, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you, that you might follow our example. So Paul again is saying, I could have asserted my apostolic authority, I could have shown off, I could have demanded things, but I wanted to be an example. And so I denied myself certain privileges because I wanted to be an example and I wanted to be about God and not about me. And so, wow, the leadership, the missionary team were genuine. They set the example of the Christian life. All right, chapter 1, 1 Thessalonians. This one is, is pretty obvious. You're probably saying, well, when is he going to say that this part? Well, here it comes. Look at 7. So that you became ex an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith towards God has gone forth. So in other words, what were they doing? What were they doing? They were doing what? Yeah, that's right, evangelizing. They were sharing their faith. They were sharing their faith. A healthy believer shares their faith. Now listen to me. I don't know you, but sooner or later, you have to share the gospel with someone. Sooner or later, you have to share the gospel with someone. I don't know what to say. Give them a track. Let the track speak for you, but you, you know, have the guts to pull it out of your pocket and give it to the person, to your workmate. They were sharing their faith. Listen, they were being persecuted. They were, they were being uh, afflicted because of what they were doing. They didn't care because the Lord got a hold of them, transformed them, and they're sharing their faith. And it's known everywhere in Macedonia and Achaia, all over the place. And they didn't have text, and they didn't have radios, and they didn't have TV and YouTube channels to do it. They were going around everywhere and sharing their faith. See, that's a healthy Christian. That, because when you're growing in the Lord, you can't help but share Jesus Christ with someone. Amen? That's right. And so they were sharing their faith. The next thing they were doing, 2 Thessalonians 3, go there in verse 14. Now, you're going to find this odd, but believe it or not, this is part of a healthy assembly. What time is it? What do I have, five minutes? Five? So don't forget I'm adding two. You know, you got a bonus coming. Look at, look at what it says. 2 Thessalonians 3 and 14. And if anyone does not obey our instruction in this letter, take special note of that man and do not associate with him so that he may be put to shame. And yet do not regard him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. A home that does not practice discipline is not a healthy home. 
an assembly, a church, a local body that does not practice church discipline is not a healthy church. Look here. I just called a friend of mine. He's a missionary. He was caught in sin. He called me, Ray, I want to call you to apologize. I said, don't apologize to me. Apologize to me. Yeah, but I know, but you were part of our ministry, and I failed. He goes, but you know what the elders did? I went in front of the whole congregation. I confessed my sin. He goes, man, I just wanted to run, but I had to face up to what I did, and he did. The elder said, you have to do it because you're, you're a leader. He did it. He goes, and you know, I've, I've never felt closer to God than I have now. I am so glad they practiced church discipline. I'm so glad they did it. We have to practice church discipline in our local assembly. We had a guy causing trouble for years. And it got to a point where he said, okay, that's it. This guy's going to destroy the church. So we met with him. We brought along 11 brothers. You're going to be witnesses. I said, we're going to deal with this so that nobody will gossip. And, and so he can't say, they did me wrong. So you're going to be here. You're going to watch us do this. So the elders presented the information. Will you repent of these five things? No, I won't. Said if you repent of them, we'll bring you into, we'll keep you in fellowship. If not, from this point on, you're out of fellowship. Will you repent? Acknowledge them and repent. The witnesses that are listening. I will not, and he walked out in a huff. So the whole assembly knew that we did it right. And from that point on, the church started to grow. It was being stifled. A church that does not practice discipline is not a healthy church. In this particular case, the Thessalonians, it was somebody that was lazy and wasn't working. They were just going from home to home and smooching food off of everybody. Tell that dude to get to work. If not, put him to shame. But don't treat him as an enemy. Tell him in love. Look, dude, you have to work. We're going to look at that more tomorrow. I'll stop right there. All right. So, This is a healthy believer and a healthy assembly. A healthy believer then has a clear testimony that he turned from sin. That he received the word of God and he reads the word of God and he loves the word of God. That he has joy in the Holy Spirit. That he has faith, hope, love, perseverance in the face of persecution. And that faith is growing and the love is growing. That the missionary team, the leadership is genuine they set the example of the life of Christ. The healthy believer and assembly shares the faith. And finally, they practice church discipline. So where are you? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. Such clear instructions, Lord. Uh, oh, Lord, help us to, to, to be healthy. Lord, to... Father, tell that clear testimony of how you got a hold of us to share our faith, to grow in faith and in love, to practice discipline. Lord, fill us with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Make it evident to the non-believer who will walk in these doors, 
that the Holy Spirit is at work. Uh, help us, Lord, for we are weak. And we all want to, that's our desire, to be genuine, healthy believers and local church. So help us, Lord, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.